the grapes. Check this out. Hello and welcome back to the Youth Group Reunion Tour podcast, the podcast that unpacks the Christian cultural touchstones you grew up with in the 90s and 2000s. And I'm your host, Mikey B. And I'm your other host. My name is Jared. Um, so we've got a, a pretty exciting episode today, Mike. I'm, I've been looking forward to it for sure. You know, there's been a severe lack of emo and screamo, which was a big part of the 90s and 2000s. And so far in this yeah. podcast, we've done exactly zero emo and screamo. I mean, it was like most of what I listened to in high school for the for like the vast majority of the time. So the fact that we haven't touched on it yet is, you know, a glaring lack of in our, our catalog of episodes. Absolutely. And it's now making a comeback, right? You have everybody trying to do it. You have this big emo festival happening in October. I mean, it's it's serious business. And I think it's the perfect time to talk about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And we also have a very exciting guest today, a guest who has been referenced and mentioned uh, several times on the podcast, I'm sure. Uh, so with uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and introduce him. Uh, so this is my best friend, the often mentioned Travis, is our guest today. Travis, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, uh, I'm Travis. Um, very <laughs> flattered to be on the show. Um, you might might remember me from uh, mine and Jared's old video gaming YouTube channel, which was extremely <laughs> popular. Uh, so if you recognize yeah, it had, it the, had, uh, the voice, you know, that's all. Probably about as as many as many views as, as our podcast well man, no what way. a good day did you, did you ever do any mike, content on that page mike yeah. mike might have ran some, some plays up for us on one or two videos but uh yeah i mean we we did it we probably made like 20 episodes maybe and then we kind of just you know things got too busy or we just yeah weren't able to kind of, kind of out. fell out of doing it but, so hopefully that's not going to happen with the podcast yeah. hopefully we've got uh, many more episodes ahead of us, but, uh, Travis, great to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, we have so, Travis, Travis has an expert witness here on our topic today, which is Travis, I believe, don't let me put words in your mouth, but yeah. I believe this is your favorite band or was at one point in time. Can you confirm that that is the case? Yes, it was one of the two. The other was the Devil Wears Prada. Um, okay. Time. But, uh. I definitely think Under Us still holds that creative power that a lot of other bands of that genre just can't really match or step up to in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, so uh, that's the topic, by the way. <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to make sure we introduce it for those of you who don't have titles on your screen right now. This episode is about Under Oath. You know, that's the, the connection there. And a, a brief introduction for anyone that doesn't know, Under Oath is a, like a hardcore – Christian screamo band uh, from the 2000s, and they are recently reformed and producing new music. Mike, didn't you go to see Under Oath in concert? Or I you did multiple yeah. times. Yeah, I saw them um, more recently. When I say more recently, I mean like in the past three or four years. Uh, they yeah. played with Killswitch Engage. Um, and it was like kind of like during that weird breakup process where everybody was different. I don't think Aaron yeah. Gillespie was in the band at the time. So it was like super weird, I believe. Um, yeah. I just remember like the lineup was super different. And then it, I had seen him previously. Um, I can't remember if he was there or not. I just remember the lineup being unusual. I, it, and, and I know if it was if it was in 2018, 
or after, then it would have had at that point, Aaron Gillespie had rejoined the band. Mm-hmm. So if you saw them at any point from 2018 and after, then he was yep. there. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was Spencer who wasn't there. It just, it seemed like a weird lineup and that's what I remember from that. And then I had seen them previously um, at like a, a smaller show, I believe where they were either the headliner or, you know, one of the, the, the few bands that were there together. But um, so, uh, before we get too deep into the weeds, um, is uh, Travis, do you have, do you want to tell us like a little bit about your, your history with under oath? Like, cause you, so you picked this, this episode topic. You were like, yeah. Hey, I'd like to do an episode about under oath. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us your history with them. Like, why do you like them? How'd you find out about them? So, uh, I actually heard my first under oath song when I was in ninth grade and it was, uh, from their only chasing safety. And the song was called yeah. the boy brush red. And it was actually on a, um, it was on a burnt CD that my buddy had gave me and I had no idea who it was. I just remembered I loved the song and I listened to it over and over. And, uh, my, my parents were extremely strict on like computers and stuff like that, uh, for obvious, obvious reasons, but, um, just to keep me and my younger siblings safe from like whatever we could have gotten into accidentally or whatever at the time. Neo pet so, chat rooms. Yeah. yeah. So like I didn't have hijacking the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. Like I didn't have LimeWire. Like my parents wouldn't even let me have an iPod. They thought MySpace was going to steal their credit info. Like so, I, I wasn't allowed <laughs> to do anything on the computer really, except maybe Disney.com on a Saturday. Yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, basically I had to wait until like wait for God's good graces to where I'd be at someone's house and they'd have an actual CD that they were playing and they'd play a song that I recognize. And I'd be like, who is that? I have that on a burnt CD. So like months later, I found out it was under oath and went down this rabbit hole um, all the way back to like so, the first albums, like active depression. Um, I think changing of times was one um, and stuff like that. So, and then, you yeah. you've heard you've heard everything so you've heard like yeah the whole have you kept up with any of their new stuff at all or yeah so i mean obviously they kind of blew up on the radar when everyone was like did you hear they said this word on their new album or whatever and yeah. they kind of put them back on the radar um but still just like from their first album i just i think that they're enormous trendsetters in that genre and they just go to show that uh, you like in a hardcore band, you don't need to just chug the crap out of everything in order to make it heavy and good. Like they do a lot of um, octave harmonies, like in all their courses and stuff like that. They do a lot of uh, just a lot of poetic stuff where even if there wasn't words, it would still be real poetic. And I think that that's a big deal in music is it just, it can make you feel certain ways without, just being completely aggressive 100% of the time. And that's, that's what's always drawn me to them. I think that they, especially on that album on their only chasing safety, Mm. I think that they found a really great mix of like, um, the, the, the screaming hardcore aspect of it. And then also like the the melodies and the, the actual singing and, um, like, like the other, like the, you know, the more chill part of their music, like it was a really 
that that was like what was really interesting to me when I when I heard them and I was like, okay, this isn't like you know Demon Hunter where it's just it's screaming all the time or like Norma Jean. It's yeah. like it's they they there's like parts of it, but then there's also a chorus where he comes in and I was like, I can understand the words that he's saying. I I know what yeah. he's actually saying here. It's not just ah. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to react to something you said, Travis. You know, you mentioned that your parents were paranoid about using the computer. My parents were probably yeah. the same way. I just found better ways to get around whatever. Yeah, was you're there, very so. Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, you know, school run my MySpace. So. Yeah, it's it's a bless, it's a blessing and a curse just because yeah. it's kind of funny. Um, you know, my wife Leanne, she kind of grew up with a similar background where you know her parents had no idea they had MySpaces, so it was like this really edgy thing to have an AOL yeah. instant messenger in a MySpace. But yeah. you know the 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 pros of that is you got exposed to a lot of really interesting music, and so you know my first interaction with Under Oath was you know this whole emo screamo thing was starting to be be a trend, right? There was, you know, some bands that came out and, and I thought it was kind of a joke, right? I was always yeah. interested in what's the weirdest song out there and like, what's the craziest trend that's kind of a bop, but also kind of dumb. And, yeah. you know, at, at the time I remember Hawthorne Heights uh, was yes. a, a band that, you know, I was very fun to make fun of. And so mm-hmm. in, in my quest to continue to make fun of bands like Hawthorne Heights, I was just going through purevolume.com, if you remember that yeah, site. It was like one of know, my amazing sites on that still. Dude, Pure Volume well, doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, no. they, they took it down and turned it into like a celebrity blog. So oh, um, yeah, all, all your good stuff is gone, unfortunately. That's but awesome. Pure Volume, if you don't know about it, it mm-hmm. was like the site. I think that when people talk about MySpace and the glory days of whatever, you know, um, I, I think that MySpace definitely was a big part of it. But for me personally, it was Pure Volume because it was all music. Um, and they offered free songs to download, right? So yep. that's how I came across Under Oath. They, for whatever reason, I think they were like the Peter Volume Band of the Day, right? On the front page, you have the headline, you know, you have all this stuff there with the image. And I was like, okay, these guys look kind of funny. They look like Hawthorne Heights. Like yep. there's like a hundred <laughs> people in this band and they had two songs for free, Reinventing Your Exit. And then uh, it's dangerous business walking out your front door. And I listened to it's dangerous business first. And that song was pretty intense, right? It's like, you know, I'm drowning in my sleep song. I was like, uh, here's another emo song about dying in a car crash or something, right? Like this is so over the top and like unlistenable, right? I kind of like listened to it to make fun of it. And then I heard reinventing your exit. And I was like, oh, there's like a mostly singing and then a little bit of screaming, but it was just enough. So it didn't like instantly like turn me off and say like, all right, this is just, you know, this is just too much. This is too harsh. Right. Like you kind of alluded to where, you know, there's a lot of melody in it. It was not a lot of like, you know, Norma Jean riffage and stuff like that. Where It's just like, these guys are a joke, right? These, these words don't make any sense, but um, it was really cool how they put it together. And um, Mm. yeah, I guess from then on, I started listening to them, kind of ironically, but then I actually grew to like them. And I, I, I guess uh, I really knew that there was something special about this band. Um, yeah. When one of my, when one of my friends, his name is Isaac. Um, he, I, he had come to our youth group a couple of times, uh, but he went to a different church and, you know, he was always like into sports and soccer and stuff like that. And uh, he, he came to youth group one day and he said, 
dude, you got to check out this band called Under Oath. And I was like, dude, I know. Like, I've listened to Under Oath. It's pretty good. And he's like, dude, they're amazing. And then, you know, after then, he turned, you know, more emo than me. But, like, you know, it was just one of those memories that, like, I knew that, you know, if the, the high school soccer team can be, you know, obsessed with this album that's that sounds like this. This is really something special here that yeah. you know the average person can pick up and like people you wouldn't expect would listen to it and like it. And that's what yeah. I thought was cool. I think yeah. for me, the thing that kind of um, showed me like, oh, there this there's something special about this band, and they're not just like a church band, even though they're a Christian band. Is that I would see people like at school. That, that I didn't know, that, like, didn't go to my church, and they had uh, an Under Oath shirt on. I think it was, like, the album cover of, like, the person with, like, the, the oxygen mask on, uh, yeah. which, like, to me, that, that album cover is, like, super iconic for me. Like, I just, like, I just always remember that just stood out to me, like, that that image of that person. Uh, and. Yeah. Maybe it was just because I saw these people with these shirts or whatever, but and I was like, oh, this like, uh, this band's getting some like you know wide coverage. Like, not just church people have heard about this mm-hmm. band. It was pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah. I remember um, after I got into them because whenever you get a new favorite band, you obsess over them and you look up every YouTube video. Yes. And like back in the early two thousands, especially. Um, it, like I was in a band at the time, Mike, I'm sure you were in a band. And like the thing was, was like you upload a video of your band doing all the stupid stuff they do. And then you montage it together with little funny parts and music. And you're like, studio update. And there's maybe like 10 seconds of someone being like, yeah, we're recording this right now. And that's what it is. And then it's like fixing the van tire on the side of the road. And like, oh, it's a cool shot from our show. That looks packed out because like for some reason, 10 people were in the building at the time. And I remember like just watching all their videos like that and everything that Aaron Gillespie had to say. And I mean, obviously he's like probably the most famous one in the band. Um, I mean, obviously I think usually the vocalists are, but person. yeah. And uh, I know Dallas went to what was it? Maylene and the Sons of Disaster like years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and then they got Chamberlain and, um, he's really good. I definitely love his singing to screaming ratios. Like he's very good at switching and, uh, but yeah, Aaron Gillespie, he, you know, started the almost and he had that project yeah, so going and that was very successful. In the, and, uh, I mean, every video that he had, I was obsessed of, uh, with. In the process of, um, like doing our, our research and, and listening to going back and listening to some of the albums. Um, I, re- I had f- finished one of the albums in Spotify, just started playing another one and they played uh, the almost. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot that he had this side project. I really liked yeah. this song. It was um, say this sooner. And I, yeah. I listened to it. I was like, I, I really liked that. song. I listened to it again. I still really liked it. Um, I guess one of the things that we should say for some of the people that maybe aren't as familiar with Under Oath is that Under Oath has two singers. So they have mm. a guy who screams, and then I think it's, correct me, Mike and Travis, since you know, is it called the mm. clean vocalist? Yeah, that that's, right? yeah, that's an accepted yeah. term. So, and, and that is um, Aaron Gillespie is the clean vocalist, and Spencer Chamberlain yeah. is the 
the the one that does the screaming. Uh, and Aaron Gillespie, I think, is a really interesting person. Um, just kind of like from, well, first of all, I think it's really interesting that he is a the drummer because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of bands where the drummer sings. I, which I think is partially because drumming itself is so like physically intense more so than any of the other instruments. I would say that like to some extent, I imagine it it would, you know, get you out of breath. And then in addition to trying to sing while you're doing all this stuff, I I imagine it's, you know, super Mm -hmm. difficult. Trav, you played the drums. You ever, I know, I know you, you, you know, sing with your guitar, but you ever sang and played the drums before? Yeah. I mean, after like, it wasn't something that I typically did, but, um, after like Aaron Gillespie, like I had to do it like, and then it, because, and that's why I'm saying like, he was just a a trendsetter because it was like, man, now I got to play guitar or play drums and sing at the same time because he looks so good when he does it. And then it's like, oh man, he plays acoustic too. He's kind of emotional. I got to be more emotional. And it was like, just kind of one of those things as like a teenager, you do, you kind of aspire to be the guy that he's just like the cool guy. And, um, and I mean, even other bands like like five, their drummer sang and drummed at the same time, but kind of like whenever you see that, it's like, Oh, well, so-and-so did it first already. So it's still cool, but it's like not as cool, I guess. Would you say that Aaron Gillespie was like a, like a big influence on you musically when you were in high school? Yeah, because, you know, kind of like I was saying, like, they were a band that was very melodic and poetic a lot of the time, and it wasn't just breakdowns 24-7. Um, he was a drummer was that a was in a metal band. Heroes from Florida. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, uh, I just grew up in Florida, right? We're yeah. the home of undergrowth. Yep. And a day Where America around. goes to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that was one of their shirts. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, the the one of the coolest things about Aaron Gillespie was um, he didn't double pedal the whole time either. Like he was very good at using his hi hat and a single kicker. Which at that time in my life, like uh, my first six years of drumming, I only did single pedal. But once I got the double pedal, it was almost like I couldn't play without it. I was very dependent on it to do fills and to just kind of go along with the heavy genre that I usually played with and just the fact that he could be in like a metal band and he didn't have to just double kick his way out of everything. It made, he, it made him way more creative. And, um, I think there's actually a video on YouTube. I'm sure it's still there, but somebody asked him like what he thought his playing style was like. And he's like, if you could pick out like the best trash ever, that's what it would be. Cause like his playing style, it's very just like, some of it is just like, grungy but it's just so good and um yeah I, I like like i keep saying i think he just set a lot of trends that way and uh mm-hmm. yeah i mean you guys know jeff too he was always he was always one drummer that impressed me with the single foot too because he's a phenomenal drummer and yep. it just it always surprised me when somebody didn't have to depend on the double kick in today's day and age because it was something that i gravitated toward very quickly <clears throat> Yeah, you mentioned like the trend setting part of this, right? And I don't know, arguably, I mean, here's my argument. I -hmm. think Under Oath is the most influential Christian band that was, you know, kind of along that spectrum of like the Switchfoot style where like, are they or aren't they? 
Yeah. Like Switchfoot was a band who was big and had mainstream success that was Christian, but I think Under Oath was actually more influential in the culture just because I really, I, I really feel like people – um, just like musically and style wise, like the skinny mm-hmm. jeans with a carabiner and the long yeah. hair, like yes. that was that like became cool at the same time. And it was yeah. under doing it first rather yeah. than a lot of these bands that, you know, were Christian bands that were kind of copying whatever was popularized by another band. It's like yeah. they did it first. Everyone wanted to be like under oath. Oh, bonus. And they're Christian. So it's like, hey, yeah. that's super cool. All these people, all of my friends already listened to under oath already. So it's yeah. just like just the next thing to say, like, hey, come to this concert at this church and under oath yeah. is playing. Right. Yeah. Like it was just an amazing time really to think about it in terms of like the youth group world because it was just so easy to get people to come to shows of that genre around that subculture at the church i mean we had a a church battle of the bands at at north mars i don't know if anyone Uh, remembers that but you know that was was like a thing so listen to this listen to this story that happens at this battle of the band so um (laughs) the it's mostly like you said hardcore ish bands that are that are kind of playing there and so uh obviously a mosh pit starts up right yeah and so i'm i'm standing at the edge of it and i'm just um i'm 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 like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get in there but i'm i'm gonna you know stand at the edge and kind of watch what happens and some (laughs) little emo kid runs up and punches me in the face and and uh (laughs) Saying that he punched me is being very generous to him. Yeah, more accurate description of what happened is that he put his hand into a fist, put it against my jaw, and then moved my head to the side. It was basically <laughs> that he like, like, like turned my head with his fist. It didn't hurt at all. And I was, as it happened, I was just like, "What?" I was like, "Did that just happen? Did that kid just punch me in the face?" Yeah, and uh, I, I took a look at him, and he was, you know. Uh, you know, what you would expect an Evo kid kid to look like at the time. Yeah. I was like, you know, there's no need to end this kid's career. I'll just let him go. I like to think that his friends amped him up. They were like, yo, punch the biggest dude in this room right now. You won't do it. It's just like prison. It's like the prison rules. It's like, find the biggest guy. Just do the mosh pit and punch him. So again, this was in the youth room, right? Like yeah. people, yeah, think, yeah. You, you should not be picturing the House of Blues or you know something like that. This is not Madison Square Gardens. This was like the youth room, formerly the sanctuary, right? Yeah. With like a baptismal font in the background and a big cross, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just kind of hilarious considering the you know the background, I guess, of where this is happening. So when we say mosh pit, you know, if you're picturing like. An old circle. It was a circle. The people people were standing in a circle, and it wasn't like, (laughs) and it wasn't like, like the crowd was thick. There was maybe uh, what thirty, forty people there, maybe. Yeah, and uh, uh, most of them were in a circle. There was like, you know, maybe. I'll say maybe 10 people in this mosh pit, and I was watching it happen. (laughs) And this kid comes up and pushes my head with (laughs) his fist. Steve's trying to see a 10 people. That's hilarious. Yeah. I have one more quick story about that before we get back to talking about Under Oath. Um, the second thing that I remember from that same Battle of the Bands, we only did it once, by the way, um, yeah. probably because people are getting punched too much. But um, it didn't bother there, me. <laughs> there, was a, there was a post-rock band, which was the style at the time. If you remember bands like Sia Roche and stuff like yeah. that, right? or mm-hmm. how, Cigarettes, I don't know how you say it. No one knew. 
Um, is this the band from my school? It was. Yeah, I, I suppose I can say their name, um, right? Yeah, go I ahead. Think yeah, go ahead. They, okay. I, okay, I think they're called Antidote. It was was the name. Oh and, no, no, I was thinking it was. It wasn't it La Veritas. Yes, they changed their name. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. La Veritas. <laughs> as, as yeah, as, as local bands are want to do, they they just change their name every randomly. Show. With, yeah, show. Name every show. So so anyways, they asked if they can be on this battle of the bands, and I said, sure. And I said, well, everyone can only play three songs. And they said, okay. Well, as post-rock bands are known for, apparently I learned um, the post-rock songs were like 12 minutes long. <laughs> like oh, they're yeah. very, very instrumental tracks, right? So yeah. there are three, like everyone else's three songs were like 15 minutes. And then Laverte gets up and they just like go straight into like their whole set that's like 36 minutes long. That's technically three songs, but 12 minutes a piece. Um, I remember yeah. Pete, um, you know, yeah. Jer yeah. Jer no, Pete, he was sitting in a chair and he like was nodding off and falling asleep just because like he sat down and they're instrumental and he was like literally falling asleep. So it was like a pop punk band, which was my band. There's a metal band who's, you know, kind of influenced by that kind of thing. They're called Leviathan. Yeah. And then this band, oh, Levert, yeah. which was doing oh, the post rock yeah. thing. I just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The other, the other thing that I remember happening is that one of the kids uh, took, took the guitar off, laid it down on the ground, and then got down on his hands and knees and yelled at it. Just yep. yelled, like, yelled at the guitar just like screamed at it on the ground mike what, what, what was he trying to do there as a musician you saw it happen do you know what he's trying to do yeah he, <laughs> so actually connecting this to episode 15 uh john foreman at live in san diego does this to his guitar caleb fact check me on that no one i'm pretty way. sure it. But um, if you actually, you can actually like pick up some of your things because you know your pickups on your guitar are just you know magnets or whatever. So the idea is like voice makes like a weird ambient sound. If like you turn the gain up far enough and you scream into it, you can kind of get this like interesting texture, I guess. Because they're kind of into that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we're kind of talking about local bands now, Travis, but yeah. there's a very not famous local band. Um, <laughs> my, my first show ever, uh, they brought out a bicycle tire and a violin bow. I don't know if you were there, Jared. Yeah, you were definitely there. Maybe, you just probably maybe. remember. But um, <laughs> it was like it was like two kids and it was just like a tire and they squeaked the bicycle tire with the violin bow and the other person had some sort of horn like a french horn or trombone or something so yeah. it was just, you know we were in a small town right it wasn't exactly you know the local scene of la or yeah. something like that yeah you know it was going back to our earlier point though it was like that's a time why, when that's why warren ohio isn't you know that's why um Dave Grohl left Warren, Ohio for Seattle. Yeah. He's from Warren. Yeah. Yeah, he's from Warren. So that's Dave kind of like Global Avenue is is in Warren. It's got like a big pair of drumsticks there and he was there for the dedication and yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of like a big it's kind of like a big joke though. I feel like we should be embarrassed that like we try so hard to say like, oh yeah, someone famous was born here. It's like he was there, doesn't remember any of it. It's not like he grew up there and has like fond memories. Yeah. He's like 
literally an infant right has no, has no memory but like there's an entire mural dedicated to him and he plays concerts there sometimes to be nice but like for me the equivalent of like mikey b alley would be like you know some random town in illinois you know like oh i was yeah. there on a work trip i was in crystal lake for a work trip and then crystal lake has mikey b alley and it's like hey thanks guys but you know and i had a look over here <laughs> Born Ohio was, was foundational. Oh, that's and right. The he was found of Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. Anyways, it was a cool time. Um, did you ever open up for Under Oath, Travis, with like any of the bands? I'm just curious if like, you know, they did they did any of the local band circuit stuff with you guys. No, but um, after I quit the band – they opened up for another band called Oceana, which okay. you may or may not know. But yeah, um, I do. Yeah, our our screamers uh, girlfriend was rich at the time and paid them like two grand for them to headline one of our shows at this place called the Bridge. But mm. I think that's really the only claim to fame, aside from when I lived in Ohio and I was doing like my acoustic thing and i opened for leland that one time mm. um sweet but other than that nothing yeah. really yeah the the band that i was in um because all through middle school i was actually obsessed with the 80s like so much so to where there's not like an 80s song that i can't like whistle the solo along with it like every time it's on the radio like so much i've got endless videos of me singing like love ballads at karaoke um so in all through middle school, that's that's what we did. And then in high school, I became the drummer of this hardcore band called Zombie Eats Kid. Um, that's what was on Pure Volume. And then we changed our name to Challenging Aries when the Screamer and one of our guitarists left. Then I left and they changed it to Afia. And I joined a band called These Three Remain, which that's part of a Bible verse, um, obviously. And... Yeah, after that, I was kind of, um, you know, down in Florida, Southwest Hardcore was a huge scene. Like, honestly, if you if you look up Southwest Hardcore on Google, like, so much stuff will come up because it was actually a really cool scene. Um, and, I mean, there's something to be said for kids that are going to wear, like, skin-tight black clothing in the blazing Florida sun. I think that's impressive. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I so mean. Trav, check this out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike was in an, another band, and it was called Break Out the Shotguns. How do you feel about that name? I think that's a sick name. One name that, especially at that time frame, like if you would have picked up some torn up, crinkled up in the pocket flyer, it was like headline tonight: Break Out the Shotguns. I would have been like, oh, I had a, oh I had a God. Break Out the Shotguns T-shirt. If we could have got zombie eats kid and break out the shotguns to play a show together. Yeah. Heck of a lineup. That would have been amazing. So uh, we didn't open up for anyone that was like, like crazy, crazy good, but like probably memorable to people in the scene. I don't know if anyone remembers attack attack anymore. Yes. Um, if you remember the crab core, that was a the thing. Jared, are you familiar with crab core? I, I, I'm the, familiar with the music video where the kid, the guy is on the ground doing That's it. actually the <laughs> first music video for Stick Stickly. They came out with a new music video for it eventually. 
Yeah. Is it Stick Stickly, the name of that thing from Nickelodeon? The yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. it was. It was like a trend to kind of like have that 90s yeah. throwback, right? It was yeah. it was a cultural touchstone from the 90s that was in a lot of the 2000s uh, hardcore yeah. stuff. So I know Devil Wears Prada would do that too a little bit, right? They had the yeah. red car, King of the Ozone, yeah. you know. Car, like Ozone or whatever. We did the same thing. We had like one song called The Long Road to Isengard. Ours was more have titles mm-hmm. that don't make sense. We had another one called uh, Your Nickel Ain't Worth My Dime or something like just stupid crap. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah we, we thought we were the coolest. That, that was the style at the time, though. But now, Under Oath, they didn't really do titles like that, right? I mean, yeah. I find their their music to be, like, lyrically and title-wise to be pretty poetic. It yeah. really is kind of hard to figure out what's happening if you until you, like, really pull it apart. Like, a boy brushed red living in black and white. Like, I kind of get, like, the themes of the song. But if you just told mm-hmm. someone that title, it's like, hey, that sounds kind of emo, but I don't know what it, it is. Like, yeah, It sounds like a Fallout Boy light. Like, yeah. it's it's like, you know, if if it was a Fallout Boy song, they would have taken that title to the next level, but they were like halfway in between having a normal song title and having like, <laughs> you know, half of a half of a paragraph. Because they have, you know, other ones that are like, it's dangerous business walking out your front door and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, oh, they've got, uh, I got you know, one like I got ten friends brothers. and a shotgun that says you won't do jack. Oh yeah, title. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. One of, their, one of their coolest songs, I think, was um, "Some Will Seek Forgiveness." And yeah, yeah. So and that one actually has Aaron Marsh from Copeland in it. Um, so that's Aaron Marsh and Aaron Gillespie singing that one, and I remember that was one of the coolest songs. Uh, Cause it was like very emotional in the beginning and about salvation and stuff. And then at the end he screams and stuff. And it was like one of the biggest is that, endings. Is that I the think. one where he screams, uh, Jesus, I'm ready to come home. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. the yeah. one yeah. track acoustic. Yeah. So with, uh, let's, so let's, let's start getting into it. So we, we, um, specifically are, are going to focus on, uh, they're only chasing safety and define the great line, which, were their two most um, commercially successful albums. They were both certified gold. And I believe, if Wikipedia is to be believed, um, that Define the Great Line actually peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100. And it was the, the highest charting Christian album since 1997. Wow. When, like, any guess what the, the one from 97 was? We did. Let me, we did let me, no. uh, shoot, is the sixpence yeah. none the richer? Yeah, sixpence none the richer. The the lost really? uh, the lost episode that we did on sixpence none the richer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I mean, Under Oath was definitely commercially successful, like on in the mainstream, um, because I mean, like I said, they they had uh, two gold albums and, um when we were looking through this, right? So we're looking at on Spotify at the top played songs, Travis, if you had to guess, what do you think, which of their songs do you think has the most plays on Spotify? Writing on the walls. Really? Okay. So writing on the walls, I think is number two. Let me check. Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, the number one has 33 and a half million is writing on the walls. 
Number one, all right, I have two for number one. It would either be in regards to myself or you're ever so inviting. No, it's neither of those. So the one that, so Mike and I both thought it was reinventing your exit. We both were like positive. Like that was the big song when we were in high school. That was the one that was played all the time. We were positive that was it. It's actually the first song you ever heard by them, A Boy Brushed Red, Living in Black. And so, uh, and so Mike and I did a little bit of digging while we were, while we were, uh, you know, prepping for the episode to try and figure out like, you know, that song was never released as a single. It doesn't have a music video. How did it get all these plays? Well, apparently it was, it was featured on an episode of the OC and that is why it has the most plays. So it was on um, season three, episode 12 of the OC. The episode is called the sister act. Interesting. (laughs) That's so crazy to me that Under Oath would be on a show like that, right? It just kind of shows you that, like, this a cosmic shift in, like, the sound. Because most of the OC soundtracks were pretty indie. And I think they're still great soundtracks. They had bands like Rooney and, you know, stuff like that that I still like to this day. But it's just interesting that, like, it was, like, this crossover of, like, you know, hey, this is a great song. We got to play this song because the kids really think it's cool. Yeah. It had to have applied to the drama in that episode or something. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Travis, Mike, thinking about um, They're Only Chasing Safety. I'm looking at that iconic album cover right now with the the woman with the oxygen mask on her face. Um, Are there any songs in particular that stand out to you as like, you know, you really love them for some reason or, you know, they really stuck with you for a long time or – you know, Travis, you already shared a little bit that the one, the first time you heard it, it really was like, you yeah, know, had a struck a chord. But uh, yeah. any other songs on that album? Um, I mean, myself, I pretty much know this album front to back. Like, I yeah. listened to it all the time. Um, let me see. Yeah, so dangerous. As you're dangerous as you're thinking, business. um, oh, it. go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying, as you're thinking, um, I listened to it again last night and mm-hmm. it was, I was surprised. I was like, oh, like every song on this album is good. They're like I, I liked all of them when I, re- when I re-listened to it. Yeah. There wasn't a single one that like they all hit the same. It was like I was in high school and they were still sounded yeah. as good to me now as they did then. And I, I mean, my, my personal favorite I think is. I mean, I really, I mean, I, I really like reinventing your exit. I think there's a reason why it was their single. I liked it a lot. Um, I really like young and aspiring. Um, I like yeah. a boy brushed red living in black and white. And then I also really liked, um, down set go. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was, that was gonna That was going to be my sleeper pick. So like, yeah. like you said, Jared, I remember, like, I don't actually remember this album being that good because, well, not that I don't remember it being good. It's just like, I collected this album piecemeal, right? So like oh, I yeah. got songs from pure volume and then like Travis was saying, he'd go over to a friend's house and they had, um, I think one of my friends had it's dangerous business walking out your front door or whatever, or a boy brush. Right. Yeah. And so 
it offer free downloads and then you download them and then you have like four songs. So I think I like downloaded for free probably five or six of these songs. Um, and re-listening to this, I listened to this at the gym today. Um, it's pretty short. It's 35 minutes. It's yeah, really not that long ten, of an album. Ten songs. It's 10 yeah. songs. It's really short. Yeah, and one of them, one of them's like an interlude, right? So like yeah. you, you cross that off the list, but they all have that. Yeah, but at the same time, um, you know, songs that I didn't remember that well or like I had forgotten about, "Downset Go" is one of those songs that I like listened to again. I was like, oh wow, yeah. that's actually really good. And actually, the first track too, "Young and Aspiring," that's a song that doesn't really get talked about very much, but I feel like it's really good. And kind of is a good introduction to something that like, you know, is they just did cool stuff with their chords. I still I don't know the technical names for a lot of these things. But when I think about how I learned how to play guitar, like a lot of the things that they do, if you're a guitarist, like on the high E string, how they're like those like dissonant types of chords. I don't know yeah. specifically what the name is for them. Yeah, like those things where it's like. Like, um, I'm going to sing it like on, you know, they're only chasing safety. It's like that. Like those kind of riffs. I still call them in my head, like under oath type of riffs, because, you know, there (laughs) were a lot of bands that did very similar things and it sounded really cool. But, you know, that was like my first time saying, oh, you can do that. That's that's pretty sweet. Like, yeah, it's a new style. Yep. So I think front to back, though, I think this album is is pretty solid and it still holds up to this day. I mean, arguably better than what I remembered yeah. going. So I think that if I had to give an album to someone to like introduce them to Under Oath, I think it was the perfect path that we followed that, you know, if you listen to like some of the older stuff like you did, Travis, where like, you know, if you would have started off with like the really heavy, almost sludgy type of stuff, yeah, um, you know, from the early days, it was yeah. like metal, metal, whereas like mm-hmm. this was... Um, I think a good place for people to pick up and then kind of spider out from the discography from there. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that because earlier you brought up a uh, kill switch engage mm-hmm. and they've been around a lot longer than people even realize. Cause a lot of people didn't even notice them until they had the song, my curse. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people didn't know that Andy had done recording with under oath. He did uh, mm-hmm. recording with Prada and they actually started in the late nineties, if I'm not mistaken. And they had mm-hmm. uh, the end of heartache and mm-hmm. that album. I mean, when you really listen to stuff like that, like you kind of realize that those guys were kind of the pioneers into the screamo age. So screamo wasn't yeah. always this girly thing. It's like tough guys used to call these like, oh, that's too emo or whatever, but it was really a thing that like morphed. It came from like a base plate of like eighties metal that kind of took mm-hmm. on a grunge and like this nineties effect. And they kind of put them both together. And it was like this new screamo thing that started way earlier. And uh, yeah, I mean, people don't, don't really notice that. And then like you were saying, like the skinny jeans and stuff like that, even when you watch under oaths, first music videos and stuff, like they're all just dressing like regular nineties dudes, like nothing skin tight, yeah. skinny. Yeah. And so it's like, you really, <laughs> like you said, like you can really just see that they paved that way and kind of made the genre their own. Yeah. They were a good starting point for me. You mentioned Adam Duckowitz from kill switch. Um, you mentioned some of the videos and stuff. Yeah. Presumably you're talking about like the seven, seven, seven DVD. 
And yeah. so for me, that was like a really cool DVD to kind of watch their process of them, you know, playing shows, going to festivals, like, you know, they, they talk pretty openly about their faith and things like that. But mm -hmm. that's also like helped me spider out into the larger, more metal sphere where previously I'd yeah. kind of written it off as like, okay, whatever. I like Metallica, but you know, yeah, not that much but it was like oh here's kill switch engage and then you can kind of spider off from there but there's so many connections right so like yeah adam duckowitz actually produced their next album which we're going to talk about now which was uh define the great line he actually produced it and i think had a bigger like influence i guess on on part of that sound in my opinion just because it was way more metal than they're only chasing safety yeah. and uh the big the big song from this album, as Travis alluded to, is called Writing on the Walls. Yeah, earlier um, when you asked that question, I thought that you were talking about both albums, not just all of their songs. So I apologize. For oh, that. sorry. Yeah, I, I meant, yeah. I meant uh, just uh, on yeah. their highest on Spotify. Yeah. It's the, the OC one. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Trav, what do you think about this album? Is there any anything that stands out? Any songs? Yeah, so... Of this one, um, I remember when uh, my he was my best friend at the time. His name was Steve. And uh, me and him were actually in the youth band together. And he bought this album. And I remember we popped it in. Uh, he had a Dodge Neon SRT4, which we thought was the coolest car ever. Um, but he had a sick sound system in it. And whenever we would pull into the church parking lot, we would blast the Christian metal because – it was like you literally couldn't get any cooler, and it was always this album. And uh, right from the first song, uh, it starts off, and it sounds like a film reel going. And that just – I don't know. There was just something so cool about that to me. And then it comes in with that riff, and it was kind of like uh, like watching the band mature in a way, even though I was still just you know a punk kid, 16-year-old – it was just kind of like, man, they sound so like grown up now and the way that they play. It wasn't just like there was no angst. It was just art in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, the song writing on the walls, I remember everyone in the youth group, especially kids who like weren't musicians, they weren't really like, uh, metal heads or anything, but they would talk about this video cause it had gotten on, I think it was MTV two at the time. Yeah. Um, it was on fuse and stuff like that too. Yeah. And everyone was like, dude, did you see Unreal's new video? It's so dark. And like, it was just the most, I don't know, for some reason it was like the most insane thing. And people were like, like, aren't they a Christian band? And it's like, yeah. And it was kind of one of those things where for the first time, I feel like from other youth kids, a Christian metal band was kind of starting to be put under the microscope and I mean, not that it was the first time that it had ever happened. I just think this was like kind of a turning point where people started using the terms, well, it's not a Christian band, it's Christians in a band. And I remember that became like, oh my gosh, that I heard that phrase yeah. so many times um, throughout high school, like in the youth groups and stuff. And it, it was kind of a like, you know, youth leader says like, well, you know, you got to be careful what you're letting in because... And it's like, well, I just like the music. And it's like, well, you're subconsciously hearing the words too, and like stuff like that. And uh, you know how how they are. And uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this this album's completely so, iconic um, to me because I think it was a 
a huge stepping stone in the way that they play now, actually. Mm-hmm. So what I'll say is when I re-listened to this last night, unpopular opinion, mm-hmm. I did not like it. I did yeah. not almost I, – I liked writing on the walls because it sounded the most like their previous album to me. Mm-hmm. The rest of it – um uh, I don't know. Just when I was listening to it at some point, I was like, oh, maybe I don't like Under Oath. Maybe I only yeah. like that one album. Yeah. Um, but I, which I I think that, you know, it's probably worth me going back to listen again because I was kind of like only I was doing something else while I was listening to it. And I wasn't like, yeah. you know, listening super closely. So it's possible that, you know, I, I um, you know, didn't appreciate it. But like, uh, I think as the the album went on i liked the songs at the end of the album mm-hmm. better than the songs at the beginning so like the that last three from when it goes writing on the walls and those ones that followed it yeah. i thought that which is everyone looks so good from here and to whom it may concern okay. i don't know if that was just like in my head i was like okay writing on the walls i remember i liked that song that song happened and now oh i like these songs more because i'm associating with the song i just heard that i liked or or what it yeah. was, but yeah, it, it just, it, it, at least this album, which I, I wasn't as familiar with this one as I was with the other one. Yeah. I did not in, enjoy it as much as I expected to on a re-listen. Yeah. Now I'm not trying to be a hater or do a sneak diss or anything, Jared, but like yeah. from my perspective, I guess maybe yeah. one of the reasons why Travis and I like it is just yeah. from like a musical perspective, it's way more complex. Like those riffs are awesome. And yeah. you know, he used the word iconic. Like the drum, <laughs> yeah. the drumming in this album to me is like insane. Like before it yeah. was like, hey, hey, the drummer sings, right? And I honestly didn't really yeah. notice the drums too much. I'm not a drummer, but I can notice good drumming. And so the previous album was like, oh yeah, he's playing this these tracks pretty well, you yeah. know, and sing. It's really cool. And you know, some of these songs, I mean, it it is very like non-standard it's very like mm-hmm. rhythmic like, it, it does it's not like chorus versus chorus it's like yeah. you know riff halftime breakdown like riff yeah you know different type of riff and so like that keeps it really interesting and and for people i think who listen to a lot of metal that's what they're yeah. expecting right but yeah. for people who are like hey i kind of want like a heavy pop song right that's kind of yeah. what was that's, the previous that's album probably, that's probably me right i'm i'm the unwashed masses that can't appreciate <laughs> you know the intricacies <laughs> of it uh but yeah i mean i was like i said there there was there were things that i liked about it but just like in general i was like oh this is not what i expected this isn't what i i thought it was yeah 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 i mean like like i said this was kind of the change in their maturity for the music i think oh it was it was very obvious to me that it was a change when when i listened to them back to back i was like oh this is yeah this there's definitely something different going on here yeah that's why actually when you said that uh when uh, we had picked these two albums, I was actually really excited because it was like right at the pinnacle of their career, I feel like. And uh, yeah, actually, like this album is like a great predecessor to the next one. I know that we're not talking about it, but Lost in the Sound of Separation is actually my favorite album of theirs, which is kind of really? like define the great line, but times two, I feel like. It's almost like if you start at a, they're only chasing safety and you just move up, it's almost like... Um, like an artist who has uh, like dementia or something. Like it just gets a little <laughs> messier and a little messier mm. and you can still see the art inside. 
but it's just kind of like that's weird. But yeah, I mean, honestly, Lost in the Sound of Separation, it took me a while like to like it because my friend Steve loved it, and I was like, I don't know, but the more and more I listened to it, um, like all the songs on the album were that song on like your CD when you're a kid that you skip, and then one time yeah. you're not skip it, so you listen to it, and you're like, this is actually a banger. Like that's yeah. that was the whole album for me. Yeah, that's actually how I started with Define the Gray Line, unfortunately, that like my context is like, this is going to be like a very listenable album, like front mm-hmm. to back. And I yeah. listened to it almost exactly how you described where I listened to writing on the wall first, and then in regards to myself, and then yeah. it's like, okay, the rest of it, it all kind of sounds the same. But then, you know, I, I listened to it. And then actually, one of the underrated tracks, I think was moving for the sake of motion. Okay, um, yeah, I think I think that song is awesome. And the way it starts out with the drums, it just punches you in the face. And then like, yeah. you know, then I listen to that for the same reason that you did, where it's like, ah, I'm too lazy to go over there and change yeah. the yeah. play. I'm just gonna listen to it through. And I was like, wow, okay, that was like, you know, I'm gonna, actually, I'm gonna give actually, it another. I'm gonna give it another listen tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. give it another another go and see if it see if it changes. Um, but I mean, so Travis, you said you are somewhat familiar with their their newer stuff. Yes, so, so I kind of fell off when I think it was Disambiguation when they got the dude with the mustache drumming, and I'm never really a hater like that. I just loved Aaron so much that like I was like oh, I'm not even gonna. So, so the album yeah. that Travis is talking about is it's so Under Oath is like they're they're when they're stylized their O is like it has like a slash through it which I think is some Nordic letter or something so they released an album after Aaron Gillespie left that was just that O and it's and then I think it's called in parentheses disambiguation yeah um but yeah I didn't listen to that album but I did listen to their their 2018 album which is called. Uh, let me see if I can find it. It's called Erase, Erase Me. Me. Um, and that's the one where they, they started swearing in their songs. There's the, there's the F word in in one of the yeah. songs. So it's called uh, On My Teeth. Uh, I listened to it. I actually was like, I was like, I'm going to give this a go just to listen to it. Um, yeah. I, I liked it better than some of the songs on Define the Great Line. Yeah. So okay. I liked, I, I listened to Rapture. And on my teeth, I liked. I think I liked both of those pretty. Like they weren't my favorite or anything. Um, Yeah. And I don't know that. I don't know that the um, the addition of of swearing added anything to the music other than shock value. I don't. It wasn't like when I read the the lyrics, I wasn't like, oh, okay, this was like, you know, added something to it. I was like, you could have just used a different word. You don't need that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I think, I think it, like you said, you it was know, just shock value. Off. Yeah, I think they kind of did it just kind of like to like really like, all right, we're not a Christian band anymore. Yeah. Some of us are. I think I think Aaron Gillespie is still a Christian. I don't know if Spencer Chamberlain is from some of the things I've read. Yeah, man, you see, if if anything, he seems like he's off of church and like religion, but I don't know if he's yeah. still. A Christian, I I believe Aaron Gillespie still is. Okay, which I would I don't think he's he I don't think he's the one that sings the f word, but maybe he is. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, concerning that, like it kind of sucks growing up in a way because if I was a teenager, like I would have been mortified 
I probably would have yeah. written them off along with everyone in my church and everything, but it's just kind of like this thing where you can kind of be realistic and like myself, I, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, I've sworn sometimes like I, I yeah. people don't hate me. And the thing is like, I mean, at the same time, it kind of comes with the territory. If you're going to be famous, people are going to do that to you. But um, yeah. under, under a microscope. Yeah. The thing that didn't make sense to me. So um, earlier before we started recording, I mentioned the bad Christian podcast. Am I allowed to mention other podcasts on here? Yeah, yeah sure. Go for it. Yeah. So give us a shout out. <laughs> you know, um, uh, some of the hosts, because there's three hosts, I haven't listened in a while, but um, two of them were I've never listened of Emery, <laughs> um, which Emery is actually yeah. another band I love. I could talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, but they we can had, have you back to do an Emory episode too. Oh, that would be sick, actually. Um, so they yeah, had we'll the artist from Under Oath um, as a guest one day, and basically he was the first one to leave. And I don't know why it's funny to me, but every time there's a hardcore band that breaks up, it starts with the keyboardist every time, and I don't know why. But uh, <laughs> like. For, for real, if you look it up, like band breaks up, breakups, it starts with the keyboardist every time. It happened in Attack Attack. Um, technically, he didn't leave; he just became the vocalist. But it happened in Under Oath, uh, Prada, um, like so many bands. Once they start changing around members, that's that's what it starts with. But anyway, his reasoning was that none of them were on the same page um, religiously, and so they were breaking up basically. And then once I found out that they were getting back together and they were doing a tour and then they were releasing an album and then they were swearing and stuff like that. My first judgmental reaction was like, that's so fake to me. Like, why are you going to tell everybody that you're not on the same page religiously? And then you're just going to get back together to me. That just sounds like you're getting back together for the fame and for the money. And obviously, I mean, cause you love doing it. Nobody's going to play music for money and hate it. But, um, but as I kind of processed it more and everything, I was just kind of like, you know what? Like maybe it's also growth and maturity and love that brought them back together because they can kind of be together in harmony. And in in one hand, it's kind of like there are guys who are solid in their faith. And if they really believe, you know, what they say they believe, then you kind of got to get in with people, whether you think they're perfect or not, in order to. Yeah. lead them to you know the glory that you believe in um so i'm not trying to make it sound like i don't believe in it i'm just trying not to get like i don't know i'm trying to be pc i guess yeah. i don't, don't want to get you guys canceled. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's it's probably hard right and i think that just like from their perspective i can understand how you'd feel hypocritical like having a really tough you know road experience you're around all kinds of stuff like you know, you're not actively like, it's always hard to be the odd one out on warp tour all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, I could imagine that's pretty hard and it probably, you know, I'm not putting words in anyone's mouth, but I just yeah. feel like that creates a situation where like, you know, if you feel like you can't be real and you always have to be like doing above and beyond the right things because some youth pastor is going to burn your CD in a grand <laughs> gesture, like yeah. on yeah. top of the Harry, on top of the Harry Potter books, you know, um, you, you kind of like, yeah, you're used to walking on eggshells and like yeah. that, that, 
you know, when it's all about art and when it's about you're trying to make music that's like really intensely personal and, you know, explores a lot of interesting and dark themes, I think that, yeah. you know, it, it puts you in an awkward bind. And I think for some people, they just say, you know what, forget this, I'm done. You know, like I'm tired of feeling hypocritical. It's it's over. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Some people, yeah. I guess, go from like, you know, very black and white, like, you know, never do this or never say this to, well, you know, is that the point, right? I'm yeah. not saying that's like anyone's beliefs or whatever. It's just like, yeah. there's a lot of factors. And when you have five, six different people, plus a tour, plus your friends and a non-normal life, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's all those things really combine. And it makes for interesting art and it makes for like interesting music, but for it, for, you know, at the human level, it's really, really hard because they, yeah. you know, they're not getting rich necessarily, right? They they yeah. can survive and make a good living, but they're not going to be Taylor Swift and you know have yeah. millions Fly. of dollars in paparazzi, yeah, you know, flying everywhere on their private jets. Exactly right. So it's like I think that there's a lot of combinations, and when you're with people where you feel like you're not on the same page in that regards, yeah. um, I feel like that would be really tough. And and like I said, um, you know, a lot of these bands that you hear from, you know, they're they're making basically, you know, about what they would if they were teaching, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like just starting out, you know, yeah. and so for, for us, it may be like the dream, but for them, it's like, man, I still have bills and we need to like, I want to buy a house and I'm away from my spouse and yeah. you know, I, I have kids and it's just a tough life. So I can understand why I guess there's tensions there, especially being a band for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Things change. Yeah, I could see that definitely. So, um, before we before we start to wrap things up and and uh, you know give our ratings for things and stuff, um, Travis, did you ever have an under oath shirt? Yes. Do you remember what it looked like? Yeah, it was brown, and I think it was define the great line. Yeah, I think it, it really brown? said define have, the great line like- on the top. Okay, because I had an under oath shirt, which I think I gave to Mike. Do you, do you have that yes. one? It's okay. now in my drawer. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's, yeah. So it, it didn't fit me anymore, and I was like, "Yo, Mike, if you want it, it's, it's all yours." I think it's it's brown, and it says like under oath up, kind of like on like the the peck area, and it has like a blue background on it. And I I remember I I always thought it was so cool, and I'd wear it. Yeah, at school. <laughs> I think the iconic, there are two iconic under oath shirts. Yeah. One that we talked about already, which is where America goes to die with a picture of Florida. It was yellow. Oh, it was yeah. really cool. That <laughs> one was very edgy, edgy, but technically youth group acceptable because, yeah. you know, it's under oath and they're Christian and, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not explicitly calling for the killing of someone. It just references yeah. dying, which is cool. Old, old people go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so the second one, I remember the the more iconic one that was, you know, you would always see people at shows wearing this one, but it was the the black and pink shirt yeah. that yep. was like uh, it, I, I don't know if it, it was supposed to be like a cross on it. it was like yeah, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a spray paint. Yeah, it was like a pink cross that was like spray painted and it was dripping. Yeah. I thought it was supposed to be like marionette strings or something like yeah. that. Like well, yeah, you know, how they, there's a cross. So maybe it was more of an yeah. accident cross, but yeah, yeah. I totally but that, that one was iconic. Black was like a staple. Back yeah, it was. Yeah, it was amazing. But under oath again, they were a huge part of it. I feel like they yeah. they they set the standard. So yeah, 
Um, so final thoughts on, on Under Oath, Travis, I guess anything that you think people who listen to Under Oath should, should know about them before we dive deep into this or, you know, any connections with youth group things from the nineties and two thousands? Um, nothing really comes to mind. I will say they're, um, they ended up re what's it called? Like re-recording their act of depression and cries of the past or remastering like yeah. 10 years okay. ago. That was really good. Um, and then they have live recordings of the two albums that we've talked about. Plus lost in the sound of separation. My favorite. Um, they have full length live recorded albums of those on Spotify that are just straight through. Um, and they're pretty awesome actually. So yeah, I mean, if, if people don't listen to them already, I hope that they give it a chance because it's literally like the birthplace of Screamo, in my opinion. So, like, on, on a scale of, of one to five um, uh, drummers singing, uh, where would where what would you rank? What would you rank them on a scale of one to five? Oh, he's Aaron's a five for sure. Because I mean, especially uh, like sorry, we... <laughs> uh, that's five that's bad. No, I just instead of doing stars, I I just make up a random related thing and uh, out of five every time. But you could talk about Aaron Gillespie if you want to. Wait, hold on. So you're saying name the top five or? Uh, what, I don't know. Okay. What I'm saying is, uh, on a scale of one to five stars, rate them. But instead of saying stars, uh, okay, yeah, I'd say five stars for sure because five stars. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. If if anything. I'd give it a four point four point eight, so I'll take one for the for that ridiculous mustache that drummer had, and, <laughs> and the other one for the f word, because <laughs> that's just judgmental. Though, other than that, I'd I'd really consider him a five. High, yeah. Highly recommend then. Yeah, Mike, yeah. what about oh, you? I think they're a great band. I think that, um, you know, they didn't really hold my interest, unfortunately, like past some of those albums. Um, and it's really hard to see bands get there. Like there's some bands that made two or three really good albums and then it's done, right? The Wedding, great. Yeah. Like I can listen to their whole discography and feel great yeah. about it. We love yeah. them. And then they're just like, look, we put out two albums and now we're gone. Yeah. Right. So like, I don't have to worry about, you know, like there's so much there when you say you're an under oath fan, I feel like there's a lot of qualification. Like, are you like an OG under oath fan? Or are you like, like, you know, which album do you like best? And people like them for different reasons. And I get that. It's okay. It's just hard for me to like go wholesale and say like, I'm an under oath fan, like five out of five, because to me, that's like, I have to like, you know, stand behind some of the stinkers, you know, not that like there's a lot of stinkers, but um, the stuff that's really good is amazing. Um, the albums that we talked about, I think those are, you know, two genre defining albums really. And and I think that those are perfect fives um, as far as albums go as a band, as a whole, I don't think it was always as consistent as that. So I'm going to give them a four only because like, you know, out of 10 albums I see on Spotify, I see four that are amazing. I see two that I've listened to and didn't have strong feelings about. Yeah. And then I see like three that I was like, eh. I, I, if someone found them and <laughs> listened to them and that was their introduction to them, maybe good, but I can't like love it. And so for that reason, four out of five, four singing drummers out of five. I understand. Um, all right. 
And, and for me, I think um, my, my review is a little bit mixed, right? Because on one hand, I really love They're Only Chasing Safety. That album, that's uh, a five, no questions asked. I love that album. I think it's great. If you are someone that is really like that is interested in like screamo or like really like hardcore music, um, and you know you're a Christian uh, and you haven't listened to Under Oath, I definitely think you should check them out. Uh, if you're not and you're listening to this podcast, cool. Thanks for listening. Uh, um, but their other album for like Define the Great Line, like I said, I did not enjoy it like i remembered like like i thought i was going to i thought i was like this is a slam dump i'm gonna gonna love both these albums um there were parts of it that i liked um i maybe didn't appreciate the intricacies like you guys did um so like for me that one is probably you know more like like a three two and a half three for me because there there were parts i really do like writing on the walls i like that song a lot um but you know it's one song on an entire album and then for their new stuff, I I expected to not like it, and I liked it more than I thought I would, um, which to me was interesting. So um, I usually like generally rate it as like what I think of it uh, uh, in relation to youth group and what I think of it in relation to like the rest of pop culture. Um, I think in terms of like youth group culture stuff, if you're into hardcore stuff. Under Oath's a five, no doubt, hands down, easily. Uh, even if even if you didn't, you know, even though I only, I really like the one album and didn't like the other one as much, I still think that, you know, that's, that's like I said, every single song on that album I thought was just, was great. It was, the hits keep coming, right? Um, then I guess in relation to like the rest of, of pop culture, just thinking about like the rest of their discography and, and some of those other things, I think for me, it's probably like a three and a half. Um, I like them still. I'll go back to their old music. I don't know that I'll seek out their new music. Um, I think, t- to me, I think it's just that I really like what Aaron Gillespie brings to the band, right? Because mm-hmm. I really like the albums that he's on. And then as soon as he leaves the band, and that, that album you mentioned, Disambiguation, right? Yeah. I I stopped listening. When when Aaron Gillespie left the band, I was like, well, I don't I don't. I, I really liked the sound that he brought to the band. And when he was gone, I was like, I think I'm out. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I think I stand on that. And uh, yeah, I was really glad I got to listen to the almost and, and uh, rediscover that. So I might give, continue to give them a listen. Thank you. Um, so this is good point, stuff. Uh, Travis, nice review, Jared. So it, Oh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to do the segment that you're going to do where we give Travis an opportunity yeah. to plug social media or any projects or anything interesting like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to plug, whether it's related to something you're doing or just something you like, uh, here's your chance give it a shout out. All righty. If, uh, if you ever want to hit me up on the Xbox, I play one day a week with Jared and you can look <laughs> me up. It's mega tea jelly and I'll probably ignore you. If you want to find me on Instagram, uh, it's also Mega Tea Jelly. Instagram is really the only thing that I'm like comfortable getting out because Facebook I don't really post. But um, Instagram. What about your TikTok? <laughs> yeah. Hold on, let me look at the name for that. Because <laughs> Mega, Mega well, Tea Jelly was taken. There's somebody taking my name 
This started within the last couple of years or so on PlayStation Network. Somebody has the name Megati Jelly, but it's followed by the word girl. So there's some woman terrorizing <laughs> my life. But yeah, so if you go on TikTok, it's uh oh, that's got my last name in it. You know what? If you hit yeah. me up on Instagram, I'll give you my TikTok. Okay. I, I was like, yeah. we we don't say last names for but if you <laughs> want to, you're allowed you're allowed to give out your own information. We just didn't yeah. want to give it out for you. It's up okay, to yeah. you. Yeah, you know what? You could uh, whenever whenever you plug this uh, this episode into Instagram, you could put it on there. But um, I'll text it to you, Jared. I kind of don't okay. want it on here after you said that someone in like other countries was listening to it. But uh, before uh, before uh, you know, I get off here, I actually wrote a song for this podcast. Oh man, we got a big surprise. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Are you, are you serious right now? Oh, my so gosh. I, I only did that because Jared used to say that I was that guy that would ruin parties with acoustic guitars. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be the one of all guys. So That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, no. That's okay. Yeah. I, I, I had my time as a Wonderwall man as well. So yeah. I get it. It's all good. Right. We have a lot in common, more than we probably <laughs> realize. It's funny. <laughs> But um, I do want to. I do want to say before I go. Sorry, before you say your piece, I just want to say I really do appreciate um, coming on here because you know I'm in the army now, and uh, most of the dudes my rank are like 20 years old, and they make me feel like a grandpa. So if I was to bring up under oath to one of them, they would have been like, "My dad." Yeah, I have used no to idea. That. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I do appreciate the opportunity, and um, it's just been fun catching up and talking to you guys. Yeah, I do. I do know someone who named their firstborn Emery because of the band Emery. So no um, that's that's kind of you know now we're getting really old, but yeah, uh, actually not really name. old, but yeah, it is a good name. So just want to throw that out there for anyone. But um, anyways, uh, if you have more questions or you're interested in learning more more episodes about Christian emo youth group culture things like that we've got a lot of cool episodes planned coming up um, a lot of fun stuff happening in our world but if you do have special requests for episodes you want to hear more like this or have a specific topic you want us to cover you can send us an email youth group reunion tour at gmail.com we can read it if you want us to um, if you don't want us to read it we won't read it but uh, we will actually open it and, and take your feedback into consideration, whether it's good or bad. Um, second thing that you can do to interact with us is go to our Twitter. So twitter.com slash YG Reunion Tour on Instagram at Youth Group Reunion Tour. Or if you want to join all of our other sites like our Yat page, our Reddit account, things like that. Uh, it's y.at slash cool church raise hands. Guitar. That's a four emoji domain. I think it's pretty cool. The kids tell me that it is bussin' to have an emoji domain. So um, go ahead and check that out and see if you want to join all of our other social medias. And so I'm going to do this right this time. This is a running gag that I can't do this correctly. So I'm just going to do this one solo. But until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Check this out. <laughs>